my ethics, my integrity is tied to the name of God. He says, I don't want to practice situational ethics where my integrity is shaped by what I think I need in the moment. Lord, keep me from being poor so that I, I won't start hustling, thinking I have to do what I have to do in whatever area of life. He said, because that's not just a statement about me. It's a statement that would profane the name of my God. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we'll continue our study with H.B. Charles Jr. looking at the prayer of Agar, which taps into the wisdom of God, the will of God, but also the worship of God to acknowledge that He deserves all the glory. Stay tuned for that, but first, we'll continue our conversation with Nick Tucker as we continue to break down theology so that we can make it a part of our everyday life so that we can grow in faith. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. When people start talking about theology and doctrine, do you tune out? Is it, it, is, it feels too lofty and too high-minded that it doesn't really integrate into your daily needs and your daily struggles. Well, that's to our detriment because we need theology. We need foundations for our life. And, and ultimately, every individual needs to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to take this faith very seriously. But I understand uh, sometimes in professors are talking about it in terms that are just so outside of your realm of understanding that it is off-putting. But doctrine is meant to be accessible. And our guest this week has been Nick Tucker. He's written a book called 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. And Nick, I, I think you're, what you're trying to do, t- maybe you can explain to our listeners that you're trying to help them understand theology uh, and to be able to break it down to, to them as a an audience, the everyday person, the everyday person in the pews, the person who's who's driving their car to work today and only half listening to what we're saying. You want them to understand these truths because these truths are crucial to their faith development. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my great friend Mike Avey used to talk about how um, when we when we use a word like God, it's um, everyone thinks they know they understand. Everyone thinks they understand what you mean uh, and what the Bible means by by using that word. They think they understand. We, we, you know, we have this kind of deep un, deep sense of we know who God is. We know what He's like. But um, so much of that is kind of underneath the surface. Of, it's like an ice like an iceberg, and it's underneath the surface of the water, and the, the task of the theologian is to, you know, basically f- sort of float the whole iceberg out of the water so that we can look at it and see if it accords with scripture. Um, I think so many of our, uh, our sort of pastoral problems in the church come to come down to us having a kind of limited or, or sort of twisted vision of, of who God is. You know, I think that's what's going on in Genesis 3. I think that ultimately at the root of the sin that the serpent entices Eve and Adam into is... Um, a, a twisted view of God as being ungenerous mm-hmm. and uh, of him as a, as a liar, mm-hmm. essentially. And so, you know, redemption has to involve our vision of God being restored, you know, to a truthful, you know, and and um, and faithful understanding of, of, of who he is. Um, but actually, it's really hard to do. It's hard to talk about um, the nature of God. But, and it's particularly hard to talk to talk about it in a way that people don't don't self exclude from the conversation because they think this is too hard for me. This is philosophy. I'm not a philosopher. 
you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an, I, you know, and you, 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 there are plenty of people with PhDs who would, who would do that. You know, it, yeah. it, 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 you know, we all feel like pretty humble folk, really. And um, so the idea with the book is to say, look, actually, it, these things in one sense are really hard to get your head around, but not because you're not clever enough, just because you're a creature. <laughs> and, um, you know, God has revealed himself in a way that, that we can actually wonder at at his glory and 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 feast on on his goodness um so let's look at those things together but it just feels it just felt to me like a kind of unthreatening way to to try to do that mm. you know you don't you, i don't think it's a book you'll see on the shelf and say i don't think i'm up to it <laughs> that's that's the idea yeah yeah uh, because you know theology isn't in the end theology is the, the the reason you know i taught in a seminary for eight years and um we always had before us this idea that we we were wanting to prepare people who could explain, you know, sort of technical knowledge to 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 to, to, to non technical people, you know, to non to to, to non specialized, you know, people who think of themselves as theologians. But we're all theologians, you know. We've all got an understanding of who God is, and um, and and that's the purpose of of academic theology is is basically to help us as pastors to be able to teach people in 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 the pew or the chair or, or or whatever mode of seating you have in your church assuming you sit um you know but but for, for ordinary christians to be able to to know god better that's that's the whole point isn't it See? what i think is so crucial about this is that we all ask the question about the power of god and we all mm. are doubting it we everyone I mean, you talked about it in the story of adam and eve but you see mm. it in the story of abraham and, and isaac and and throughout all of the characters of the bible and ultimately what's at the core there is that they're testing god they're testing the power of mm-hmm. god but they're being tested in their faith as it grows and develops as they learn that god is all powerful he is worthy of our trust yeah, absolutely. I, it 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 strikes me that you know, but by, by the time of, but by, by by the time of the Gospels, Israel really seems to have got that. Yeah, you know, in the sense that if they were horrified by anything, it was the thought of idolatry. Mm-hmm. It was the thought that you could compare God to anything within the creation. You know, I've often sort of wondered why 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 does Jesus come so late in the story? <laughs> why why are there why are there these sort of thousands of years from the promise to Abraham, or even if you like the promise to 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 Adam and Eve? You know, or the you know in Genesis three sixteen to Eve. You know, he was you know is your in in saying to the to the serpent, you know, I will put your and I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You know, you'll strike his heel and he'll crush your head. You know, how how long is it, how come it's so long from that until the birth of that man born only of a woman and um, and i think it it is it's that that god is teaching his people that he he is the only god yeah. and that he's not like the creature and mm-hmm. um, you know and uh, uh th- i think that that that's quite a quite a significant thing if god's willing to be that patient uh, and to spend that long teaching the world through his people israel about about himself it's probably less than worth learning 
We've been talking with Nick Tucker. His book is called 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. A great resource and a, a great addition to this whole series we've been doing on, on doctrine and theology and looking at the power of God. So, Nick, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message and for this book, and uh, so cleverly written, so helpful as a resource, but also for taking your time to to be a part of the many voices for that one message. Well, Adam, thank you. That's kind of you. It's been a privilege. We have a few copies of Nick's book, 12 Things God Can't Do. We want to make them available to you as a thank you for your support to the ministry here at Songtime. The only way that we can stay on the air is with your love, your prayers, and your support. So write to us and and make a request for this book when you send in your donation to Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508 362 7070. Well, today we're wrapping up our study with H.B. Charles Jr., looking at this prayer of Agur, learning the, the way in which he teaches us how to pray. He's tapped into the wisdom of God, knowing how to pray, knowing the real wisdom of what to ask God for, but also the, the will of God, seeking God's will in his life because he knows that God offers him good things. But he's also tapped into the the worship of God, knowing that ultimately everything he asks for is for the glory of God alone, not for not simply for our benefit, not for our comfort here on earth, but that God might be glorified to all those who would look in on our lives. This message from H.B. Charles Jr. is one of my favorite from the book of Proverbs, and I'm excited to, to bring it to a conclusion today with this powerful message and an invitation for us to acknowledge that God is worthy of our glory. Here is H.B. Charles Jr. How often when things in life don't go our way, do we forget that we wouldn't have anything that we enjoy if it were not for the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of Almighty God? Do not forget God when life gets good. But then note that there is a peril in poverty as well. He says, Lord, don't let me be poor because I don't want to get poor and get desperate and start stealing and profane the name of my God. I'm sure Agar was concerned about the moral and ethical and legal, not to mention social implications of taking property that did not belong to him, but that is not where he places his concern in the text. He says here, I am most concerned about the spiritual theological implications of me stealing. If I become poor, I may steal, he says, and profane the name of my God, my ethics, my morality, my integrity is tied to the name of God. He says, I don't want to practice situational ethics where my integrity is shaped by what I think I need in the moment. Lord, keep me from being poor so that I, I, won't, I won't start getting desperate and start hustling, thinking I have to do what I have to do in whatever area of life to take a shortcut or, or to take matters in my own hands. He said, because that's not just a statement about me. It's a statement that would profane the name of my God indicating that I am stealing because my God cannot be trusted to take care of me. Remember, in Genesis 14, when 
Abram rescues the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah after they have been captured, and the king wants to split the spoils with him, and Abram says, I'm not taking anything. I made a vow not to touch any of these possessions, not because he didn't want anything, but he didn't want the people to say that he became rich by taking their stuff. He says, whatever I get, I want God to get the credit for it, God to get the glory for it. God is the God of both the end and the means, and I want, to, I want God to be honored in what I have. Lord, keep me from poverty and from any attitude of desperation that would take matters in my own hands and forget that God is the source of every good and perfect gift. This is the prayer. Lord, for the sake of godliness, you should pray this. Take out of my life anything that blocks my pursuit of godliness. And then, Lord, don't give me anything that would detour me from the path of godliness. Help me to remember that my life is in your hands. The little boy went to the corner store with his mama regularly, and every time the old man behind the counter would say to the little boys they were checking out, son, reach in that barrel there and get you a handful of candy and put it in your mama's bag and take it with you. But every time the little boy would refuse, <laughs> they would go back and forth bantering until the old man would reach in there for him and get him a handful of candy. And on one occasion, mama is frustrated, and as they're walking out, she says, son, why do you go through this routine with that old man every week we come here. You know you love candy. Why are you refusing and making him get it for you? And the little boy says, Mama, you don't understand, but his hands are so much bigger than my hands. <laughs> There's a song we sing in our church, that time is filled with swift transitions. Not of earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you afresh for the privilege of calling you our Father through the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the new and living way that he opens to you. Thank you that because he is our all-sufficient high priest, we can come with confidence to your throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. And we are asking now that in our lives, in our studies, and in our ministries, you would never allow us to lose sight of our constant, perpetual need for you. We need you every moment, every season of our lives. We want our lives to be aligned with your will, we want to be conformed to the image of your Son. We want our service for you to flow from our heart's devotion to you. And so we ask, Lord, and you by your Holy Spirit, we pray, will help us to fill in the blanks individually and personally for where this applies to each of us. Help us, Lord, we pray. We need you to help us to remove the things in our lives that would block our pursuit of godliness. Chief on those on that list, Lord, would be falsehood and lying. Give us a commitment to know the truth, to live the truth, to proclaim it and defend it and pass it on to the next generation faithfully. Then help us not to be entangled with material things or anything in this world, Lord, 
that would detour us from the path of godliness that you have set for us in Christ. Keep us in a posture of dependence upon you. Help us to remember that we are nothing without you. Lord, you are the vine and we're just branches, and as long as we abide in you and you and us, we will produce much fruit, but without you, we can do nothing. Help us in the name of Jesus to trust you with our whole heart and not lean on our own understanding, to acknowledge you in all of our ways that you may direct our path. Amen. The Lord teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth even as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Sometimes we go to God in our prayer lives and we are so caught up with all of the things that, that we have going on in our lives that we fail to acknowledge that we are here for God and God is not there for us. It is not that way around. We must re- realize and understand in the wisdom of, of Agur and his prayer here in, in Proverbs 30 that when we are praying to God, we are, we're trying to align ourselves up with him. Uh, we want our will to line up with his will. We want our wisdom to line up with his wisdom, not the other way around. Who, who are we to tell God what is right and what is good and what should be done? No, we need to hear from him, don't we? But ultimately, our prayers are about the, the worship of God that his kingdom come on earth. It is his kingdom that we have surrendered to. It is his kingdom that we are giving thanks for. It is his hand of, of graciousness and kindness and provision that we are praising him for. Ultimately, our prayers are all about God and not about us. I know we all have prayer requests. We all have things that are pressing in on our heart, but we ought to really conform our hearts to seek the Lord, to seek first the Lord and His righteousness, His kingdom, and then trust Him that He loves us, that He cares for us, and everything that He provides for us is good. He will take care of you. As it says in the Sermon on the Mount, God knows when you ask for bread, He's not going to give you a stone because He knows what you need. He knows what is right. He knows what is good. And we can trust in Him. When we pray, we must acknowledge that He is our Father. He is holy. He is far above us. And His wills, His will is greater than our will. And we must surrender to Him. I hope that we've been able to encourage you today. If we have, we'd love to hear from you. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or be sure to look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old. He will not depart from it.